Chapter 18 of A Float on the Ohio An Historical Pilgrimage of a Thousand Miles in a Skiff From Redstone to Cairo This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Roland Magyar in Orlando, Florida A Float on the Ohio by Reuben Goldthwaites Chapter 18 Village Life A Traveling Photographer on a country road, studies in color, again among colliers, in sweet content, a fairy romance. Near Troy, Indiana, Friday, June 1st, below Alton, the hills are not so high as above. We have, however, the same thoroughly rustic landscape, the same small farms on the bottoms and wretched cabins on the slopes, the same frontier-like clearings thick with stumps, the same shabby little villages and frequent oxbow windings of the generous stream with lovely vistas unfolding and dissolving with panoramic regularity. It is not a region where houseboaters flourish. There is but one every ten miles or so. As for steamboats, we see, on average, one a day, while two or three usually pass us in the night. A dry, unpainted little place is Alton, Indiana, with three down at the heel shops, a tavern, a saloon, and a few dwellings. There was no bread obtainable here, for love or money and we were fain to be content with a bag of crackers from the post-office grocery. The promised photographer, who appears to be a rapid traveler, was said to have gone on to Concordia, eight miles below. Deepwater Landing, Indiana, 676 miles, is a short row of new, whitewashed houses, with a great board sign displaying the name of the hamlet, doubtless to attract the attention of pilots. A rude little showcase, nailed up beside the door of the house at the head of the landing path, contains tempting samples of crockery and tinware. Apparently some enterprising soul is trying to grow a town here, on this narrow ledge of clay, with his landing and his shop as a nucleus. But it is an unlikely spot, and I doubt if his boom will develop to the corner lot stage. Rono, Indiana, a mile below, with its lime-washed buildings set in a bower of trees at the base of a bald bluff, is a rather pretty study in gray and green and white. The most notable feature is a little schoolhouse-like Masonic Hall set high on a stone foundation, with a steep outer stairway, which gives one an impression that Rono is a victim of floods, and that the brethren occasionally come in boats to lodge meetings. Concordia, Kentucky, 681 miles, rests on the summit of a steep clay bank, from which men were loading a barge with bark. Great piles of blocks for staves ornamented the crest of the rise, a considerable industry for these parts, we were told. But the photographer whom we were chasing had taken every Concordian who wished his services and moved on to Derby, another Kentucky village which at last we found six miles farther down the river. The principal occupation of the people of Derby is getting out timber from the hillside forest, six to ten miles in the interior. Oak, elm, and sycamore railway ties are the specialty, these being worth twenty cents each when landed upon the wharf. A few months ago, Derby was completely destroyed by fire, but although the timber business is on the wane here, much of the place was rebuilt on the old foundations, hence the fresh, unpainted buildings with battlement fronts, which, with the prevalence of open-door saloons with the woodsy swagger on the part of the inhabitants, give the place a breezy frontier aspect now, seldom to be met with this side of the Rockies. Here at last was the traveling photographer. His tent, flapping loudly in the wind, occupied an empty lot in the heart of the village. A saloon on either side and a lumberman's boarding house across the way, where the artist was at dinner, pending which I waited for him at the door of his canvas gallery. He evidently seeks to magnify his calling, 
does this raw youth of the camera by affecting what he conceives to be the traditional garb of the artistic bohemian but which resembles more closely the costume of the minstrel stage a battered silk hat surmounting flowing locks glistening with hair oil a loose velveteen jacket over a gay figured vest and a great brass watch-chain from which dangle silver coins as this grotesque dandy evidently not long from his native village came mincing across the road in patent leather slippers smoking a cigarette with one thumb in an armhole of his vest and the other hand twirling an incipient mustache he was plainly conscious of creating something of a swell in derby it was a crazy little darkroom to which i was shown a portable affair much like a coffin case which i expected momentarily to upset as i stood within and be smothered in a cloud of ill-smelling chemicals however with care i finally emerged without accident and sufficiently compensated the artist who seemed not over favorable to amateur competition although he chatted freely enough about his business it generally took him ten days he said to finish a town of five or six hundred inhabitants like derby he traveled on steamers with his tenting outfit but next season hoped to have money enough to do the thing in style in a houseboat of his own an establishment which could cost say four hundred dollars then in the winter he could beach himself at some fair-sized town and perhaps make his board by running a local gallery taking to the water again on the earliest spring fresh i could live like a fightin' cock then cap'n you just bet your bottom dollar the temperature mounted with the progress of the day and the wind dying down the atmosphere was oppressive by the time Stephenport, Kentucky, 695 miles was reached, in the middle of the afternoon, the sun was beating fiercely upon the glassy flood, and our awning came again into play, although it could not save us from the annoyance of the reflection. The barren clay bank at the mouth of Sinking Creek, upon which lies Stephensport, seems fairly ablaze with heat as I went up into the straggling hamlet to seek for supplies. There were no eggs to be had here, but, at last, milk was found in the farther end of the village, at a modest little cottage quite embowered in roses with two century plants in tubs in the backyard, and a trim fruit and vegetable garden to the rear of that, enclosed in palings. I remained a few minutes to chat with the little housewife, who knows her roses well, and is versed in the gentle art of horticulture. But her horizon is painfully narrow first and dearest the plants about her which is not so bad in a larger way stevensport and its petty affairs but beyond that very little and that little vague it is ever thus in such a far-away side-tracked village as this the world lies in the basin of the hills which these people see from their doors if they have something to love and do for as this good woman has in her bushes seeds and bulbs then may they dwell happily in rustic obscurity but where as is more common the small beer of neighborhood gossip is their meat and drink there are no folk on the footstool more wretched than the denizens of a dead little hamlet like stevensport we are housed this night on the kentucky side a mile and a half above cloverport whose half-dozen lights are glimmering in the stream in the gloaming while dinner was being prepared a ragged but sturdy wanderer came into camp he was he said a mountaineer looking for work on the bottom farms heretofore he had when he wanted it always found it but this season no one appeared to have any money to expand for labor and it seemed likely he would be obliged to return home without receiving an offer we made the stranger no offer of a seat at our humble board having no desire that he pass the night in our neighborhood for darkness was coming on apace and if he tarried the woodland road would be as black as a pocket before he could reach cloverport his alleged destination so starting him off with a biscuit or two he was soon on his way toward the village whistling a lively tune crooked creek indiana saturday the second we had but fairly got to bed last night after our late dinner when the heavens suddenly darkened fierce gusts of wind shook the tent violently and then rain fell in blinding sheets for a time it was a lively work for the doctor and me tightening guy ropes and ditching in the soft sand 
for we were in an exposed position catching the full force of the storm at last everything secured we in serenity slept it out awakening to find a beautiful morning the great perfumed air as clear as crystal the outlines of woods and hills and streams standing out with sharp definition and over all a hush charmed most soothing to the spirit cloverport seven hundred and five miles is a typical kentucky town of somewhat less than four thousand inhabitants the wharf boat which runs up and down an iron tramway according to the height of the flood was swarming with negroes watching with keen delight the departure of the e d rogan as she noisily backed out into the river and scattered the crowd with great showers of spray from her gigantic stern-wheel it was a busy scene on board negro roustabout shipping the gangplank and singing in a low pitch an old-time plantation melody stokers stripped to the waist shoveling coal into the gaping furnaces chambermaids hanging the ship's linen out to dry passengers crowded by the shore rail on the main deck the bustling mate shouting orders apparently for the benefit of landsmen for no one on board appeared to heed him and high up in front of the pilot-house the spruce captain in gold-laced cap and glass in hand as immovable as the sphinx at the head of the slope were a picturesque melody of colored folk of true southern plantation types so seldom seen north of dixie two wee piccaninnies drawn in an express cart by a half-dozen other sable elves attracted our attention as w and i went uptown for our day's marketing we stopped to take a snapshot at them to the intense satisfaction of the little kink-haired mother of the twins who bearing her blue calico gown looked as if she might have just stepped out of a zulu group cloverport has brickworks gas wells a flouring mill and other industries the streets are unkempt as in most kentucky towns and mules attached to crazy little carts are the chief beasts of burden but the shops are well stocked there were many farmers in town on horse and muleback doing their saturday shopping and an air of business confidence prevails in this district coal mines again appear with their riverside tipples and their offal defiling the banks in general these reaches have many of the aspects of the monongahela although the hills are lower and mining is on a smaller scale cannelton indiana seven hundred and seventeen miles is the headquarters of the american cannel coal company there are also woolen and cotton mills sewer pipe factories and potteries w and i went up into the town on an errand for supplies we distribute our small patronage for the sake of frequently going ashore and were interested in noting the cheery tone of the businessmen who reported that the financial depression noticeable elsewhere in the ohio valley was practically been unfelt here hawesville kentucky just across the river has a similarly prosperous look but we did not row across to inspect it at close range tell city indiana three miles below is another flourishing factory town whose wharf boat was the scene of much bustle four miles still lower down lies the sleepy little indiana village of troy which appears to have profited nothing from having lively neighbors from the neighborhood of derby the environing hills had as we proceeded been lessening in height although still ruggedly beautiful a mile or two below troy both ranges suddenly roll back into the interior leaving broad bottoms on either hand occasionally edged with high clay banks through which the river has cut its devious way at other times these bottoms slope gently to the beach and everywhere are cultivated with such care that often no room is left for the willow fringe which heretofore has been an ever-present feature of the landscape hereafter to the mouth we shall for the most part row between parallel walls of clay with here and there a bankside ledge of rock and shale and now and then a cragged spur running out to meet the river we have now entered the great corn and tobacco belt of the lower ohio the region of annual overflow where the town seeks the highlands and the bottom farmers erect their few crude buildings on post prepared in case of exceptional flood to take to boats 
the prevalent eagerness on the part of farmers to obtain the utmost from their land made it difficult this evening to find a proper camping place we finally found a narrow triangle of clay terrace in indiana at the mouth of crooked creek seven hundred and twenty seven miles where not long since had tarried a houseboater engaged in making rustic furniture it is a pretty little bit in a group of big willows and sycamores and would be comfortable but for the sand flies which for the first time give us annoyance the creek itself some four rods wide and overhung with stately trees winds gracefully through the rich bottom we have found it a charming water to explore being able to proceed for nearly a mile through lovely little wide spreads abounding in lilies and sweet with the odor of grape blossoms across the river at emmerich's landing a little cluster of unpainted cabins lies the white barge of a photographer just such a home as the derby artist covets the ohio is here about a half a mile wide but high-pitched voices of people on the opposite bank are plainly heard across the smooth-sounding board, and in the quiet evening air comes to us the chuck-chuck of oars nearly a mile away. Following a torrid afternoon with exasperating headwinds, this cool, fresh atmosphere in the long twilight is inspiring. Overhead is the slender streak of the moon's first quarter, its reflection shimmering in the broad and placid stream rushing noiselessly by us to the sea. In blissful content we sit upon the bank and drink in the glories of the night. The days of our pilgrimage are nearing their end, but our enthusiasm for this, al fresco life, is in no measure abating. That we might ever thus dream and drift upon the river of life, far from the labored strivings of the world, is our secret wish tonight. We had long been sitting thus, having silent communion with our thoughts, when the boy, his little head resting on W's shoulder, broke the spell by murmuring from the fullness of his heart, Mother, why cannot we keep on doing this always? Yellow Bank Island, Sunday, June 3rd. Pilgrim still attracts more attention than her passengers. When we stop at the village wharfs, or grate our keel upon some rustic landing, it is not long before the doctor, who now always remains with the boat, no matter who goes ashore, is surrounded by an admiring group, who wrap Pilgrim on the ribs, try to lift her by the bow, and study her graceful lines with the air of connoisseurs. Barefooted men fishing on the shores in broad straw hats and blue jeans invariably pass the time of day with us as we glide by, crying out as a parting salute, You've a honey skiff bar, or right smart skiff, that year. We have many long, dreary reaches today. Clay banks twelve to twenty feet in height and growing taller as the water recedes, rise sheer on either side. Fringing the top of each is often a row of locusts, whose roots in a feeble way hold the soil. But the river cuts in at the base, wherever the changing current impinges on the shore, and at low water great slices, with a gurgling splash, fall into the stream which now is of the color of dull gold from the clay held in solution. Often, ruins of buildings may be seen upon the brink that have collapsed from this undercut of the fickle flood, and many others still inhabited are in dangerous proximity to the edge, only biding their time. This morning we passed the Indiana hamlets of Lewisport, 731 miles, and Grandview, 736 miles, and by noon were at Rockport, 741 miles, a smart little city of 3,000 souls, romantically perched upon a great rock, which on the right bank rises abruptly from the wide expanse of bottom from the river there is little to be seen of rockport say two wharves one above the other below the bold cliff which springs sheer for a hundred feet above the stream two angling roads leading up into the town a house or two on the edge of the hill and a huge water tower crowning all a few miles below we ran through a narrow channel a few rods wide separating an elongated island from the indiana shore 
it much resembles the small tributary streams with a lush undergrowth of weeds down to the water's edge and arched with monster sycamores elms maples and persimmons frequently had we seen skiffs upon the shore arranged with stern paddle-wheels turned by levers operated by men standing or sitting in the boat but we had seen none in operation until shooting down this side channel we met such a craft coming up manned by two fellows who seemed to be having a treadmill task of it they assured us however that when a man was used to manipulating the levers he found it easier than rowing especially in ascending stream yellow bank island our camp to-night lies nearest the indiana shore with owensboro kentucky seven hundred and forty nine miles just across the way we have had no more beautiful home on our long pilgrimage than this sandy islet heavily grown to stately willows while the others were preparing dinner i pulled across the rapid current to an indiana ferry landing where there is a row of mean frame cabins like the negro quarters of a southern farm all elevated on posts some four feet above the level a half dozen families live there all of them small tenant farmers save the ferryman a strapping good-natured fellow who appears to be the nabob of the community several hollow sycamore stumps house sows and their litters but the only cow in the neighborhood is owned by a young man who when i came up was watering some refractory mules at a pump trough he paused long enough to summon boss and milk a half gallon into my pail accepting my dime with a degree of thankfulness which was quite unnecessary considering that it was quid pro quo tobacco is a more important crop than corn hereabout he said farmers are rather impatiently waiting for rain to set out the young plants his only outbuilding is a monster corn crib set high on posts the airy basement no better than an open shed serving for a stable during the few weeks of severe winter weather horses and cows are removed to the main floor and canvas nailed around the sides to keep out the wind even this slight protection is not vouchsafed stock by all planters the majority of them appear to provide only rain shelters and even these can be of slight avail in a driving storm later in the failing light w and i pulled together over to the cracker settlement seeking drinking water a stout young man was seated on the end of the ferry barge talking earnestly with a ferryman's daughter a not unattractive girl but pale and thin as these women are apt to be evidently they are lovers and not ashamed of it for they gave us a friendly smile as we nodded our painter to the barge rail and expressed great interest in pilgrim she being of a pattern new to them we are in a noisy corner of the world over on the indiana bottom a squeaky fiddle is grinding out dance tunes hymns and ballads with charming indifference we thought we detected in a high-pitched annie laurie the voice of the ferryman's daughter there seems too to be a deal of rowing on the river evidently owensboro folk getting back to town from a day in the country and country folk hieing home after a day in the city the ferryman is in much demand judging from the frequent ringing of his bell one on either bank set between two tall posts with a rope dangling from the arm at early dusk the cracked bell of the owensboro bethel resounded harshly in our ears as it advertised an evening service for the floating population and now the wheezy strains of a melodeon tell us that although we stayed away doubtless others have been attracted thither the sepulchral roars of passing steamers echo along the wooded shore the night wind rustles the treetops owensboro dogs are much awake and the electric lamps of the city throw upon our canvas screen the fantastic shadows of leaves and dancing bows End of chapter eighteen